This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 51. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Hello, shameless moms. And welcome to Following Your Passion Part One. I'm really excited about this episode and the episode that follows because I'm going to be talking about some ways that I've followed my passion, sometimes that I've gotten completely off track. And I also think that you will get a lot of helpful hints about ways that you can follow your passion. So whether you are a stay at home mom looking to just have like a creative outlet, or if you are a stay at home mom looking to make some money in a different way or a new way, maybe with some part-time work, or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom looking to get back into the workforce, or maybe you're already in the workforce looking to transition or grow in a different way or head in a different direction. Or maybe you're in the workforce and you're looking to get out of the workforce and do something on your own whether it be a work thing or a passion project, I think all of this will be really helpful. So we'll be talking about the way that I've gone about different things and also the way I've seen other people really thrive in following their dreams. I have been lucky and honored to be a part of some groups of business owners in the last 10 years or so where I've just, I've really seen people be able to define what they're passionate about, which can be challenging, and then also be able to build something around that. And that's where things can get challenging. It sometimes is not so hard to define what we're passionate about, but we don't know how we can make money doing that. Or the other side of that is we know how we can make money, but maybe the way we know how to make money is not the thing that we're so passionate about. So we're going to be talking about those kinds of things today. 
and get your juices flowing because my goal for you, my dream for all the moms that I work with would be that you were living a life that you love. And sometimes after motherhood, we fall into habits or patterns that serve a greater purpose or serve a greater good in our family. And sometimes that's totally necessary. Sometimes we have to like do whatever pays the bills. But I also think that there's nothing wrong with always having your own dreams at the forefront, even if they have to kind of be like, on the sidelines a little bit because there is the practical matter of having to pay the bills. It's okay to have your own dreams at the forefront and be taking little steps in that direction as you move forward in life. I'm going to talk to you about how I did a lot of this before I had children, in which I will fully admit super low risk when you're a single person on your own and you don't have much to lose and you always can fall back on like moving home, which I did do at one point. So very different than being married with children and seeking a new career. So I'm going to talk about that as well. So let's go ahead and get started. I think the first thing I want to address is I'm going to go through a couple different things that you need to know about. So you need to know what you love. I'm going to expand on all of these, but this is kind of the basic outline here. You need to know what you love. You need to know where you thrive. You need to know what stifles you. And then you need to know who you want to be. So those are kind of the key components that we're going to talk about today. And then in the next episode, we're going to talk more about transitions and hustling. We all know that I'm not a huge fan of the word hustle, but sometimes it's totally necessary. And I will be encouraging you to hustle a little in the next episode. We're also going to talk about creating space to build something new and different or head in a different direction. We'll also talk about support systems around that. So those are the things that are coming in the second part. So where I want to start today, I think I'm going to start with a little story about an email I got a few years ago. So a family friend of mine from growing up sent me an email that he wanted to leave a job. He had a job working, it was in banking, I think at Bank of America. He'd been there for a while, great benefits, had moved up quite a bit in his time there, was highly respected, doing really well. So he emailed me and he's like, this isn't my passion. I think I want to become a personal trainer. At the time he was married with two children, he now has three children. And so he was asking me tips like, you got into personal training as a second career. What would you recommend? And so my response to him might be shocking because I'm all about following your dreams. But my response was like, I don't know if I would do that because here's the thing. He was in a position, he was the breadwinner in his family and he had two little kids and a mortgage. And I was like, you know, it took me a long time to build my personal training career. And I still to this day don't have like paid benefits as a trainer. I've had to pay my own medical insurance ever since it began. My husband and I, he had his own business until just these last few months. So the whole time that we've been together since 2003, we have have never had paid benefits by paid by a company. We've always had to pay our own medical expenses. We've never had paid vacation, like all those kinds of things. So when someone comes to me and they're telling me that they have like a family, a mortgage, a kids, all these things, I'm like, oh my gosh, like you just, you don't walk away from the job with benefits when you have that kind of security. But at the same time, I also could hear like he really wanted to follow his passion. So I kind of told him how I did it. And I'm going to tell you guys how I did it. So like I said, I didn't have a family when I did this, but when I changed careers, to become a trainer, I was working at a hospital. I was working in a psychiatric hospital with children. And what I did is I went back to school. This was just luck of the draw that I happened to be working in a hospital and a hospital never closes. And so I was able to pick up hospital shifts and rearrange my schedule around my school schedule, which was a huge, huge blessing. And like, obviously something that a lot of people aren't going to be able to do. But I will say with the birth of online classes, which is basically like every program now has online 
online classes, you can now, instead of working your work around school, you can work school around work. And so you can often do things online and do things after hours because of that online option if you were wanting to go back to school to start a new career. And so this is probably, if I was giving this advice today to this friend, this was a few years ago, if I was giving this advice today, I would probably say like, start with that, start with online classes outside of your work schedule. And that's a great place to start. Because I think what you can do is that you can take small steps as part of a quote unquote side hustle. So if you're not familiar with that term side hustle, that often means that you are in conjunction with your regular job or your regular family obligations. You take on some tasks on the side where you can do a little bit every day or a little bit on a regular basis to be working toward a new goal. And so this is what's perfect for in the framework of online classes, going back to school, those kinds of things, working on a new passion project. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So I think that my advice to this family friend today would probably be like, okay, take some classes, like take some online classes and see if this really resonates with you, if you really love it. And then I did say to him in that email, I was like, okay, here's what you need to do. If you think you really want to do this before you walk away from the security of a banking job, make sure that you get what you need out of that position before you leave it. And so that might be like, could you go part-time or like, you know, 75% and maintain your benefits? Could you do a certain level of the job that you're currently 
currently doing and still maintain what you need out of that position in order to keep your family safe and stable and getting all your basic needs met. And then also have this side hustle thing where you are pursuing this new passion, but in a low risk sort of a way. And so that's what I was able to do with my hospital job is I went back to school for personal training while I was working my hospital job, working with kids in psychiatric hospital. And I worked evening and weekends and actually I worked evenings and nights over the weekend. And so what I would often do is I, my program often, it changed quarterly, but it was often, you know, Monday through Friday, like 8am to 2pm. And then I would go to work at 3.30. I would get off work at 11.30 and I would be up the next morning for school. Like that sounds hellacious to me now, but for some reason when I was doing it, it was like not a big deal. And I often would do work weekend shifts because I got paid more and I would try to do doubles on the weekend because I got the weekend differential. I got shift differentials so I could work an evening in the weekend into an overnight in the weekend and make a whole bunch more money. And so sometimes I would try to do that a couple times a month, work those weekend overnights because I would make a ton of money and I didn't have to work nearly as many days in the month. So that was like my backup plan. And then I was able to stay on hospital benefits and maintain part-time hours sometimes by doing that. There was a certain point when I did go to the on-call status when I lost benefits. I did what I could to keep those benefits for as long as I could and keep up part-time hours for as long as I could so that I could have that school schedule and then work those kind of off non-standard hours. So that was like the benefit and the blessing of working in that hospital environment in my previous career, which really allowed me to take a chance on a new career and be able to see how it was going to fit into my life. I will say that I did leave my hospital job at one point. I was very dismayed. (laughs) This happened a couple times actually, where I was very dismayed with management at the hospital. It was a for-profit hospital. I really did not like that aspect of it. I didn't love the CEO of the hospital, like where the people who worked on the floor didn't often get raises, very infrequently got raises, barely got cost of living raises. Yet the CEO somehow was like driving a brand new Mercedes. So that's the beautiful thing that happens when you work in a for-profit agency is that sometimes you don't feel like the management goals are the same as your goals. And here we are, the people working on the floor of the hospital being with our lives literally being threatened by children who are psychotic. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. These were very seriously ill children and we barely got raises and I saw what was happening in management and it was, oh my gosh, it was maddening to me. But that was a big lesson for me. It was a lesson for me like that I don't do well in the corporate environment where I have no say and where my opinion matters so little. You can bet that I spent some time in the CEO's office giving him a piece of my mind on more than one occasion. And you can also bet that it made zero difference on anything. So it was really clear to me that that was not where I was meant to be. And once that was clear, I used that situation to get what I needed out of it in order to take the next step. So what I did with that then is I went back to school and I worked my hospital schedule around my school schedule so that school could be my primary goal. And then as I got out of school and into personal training, I actually still kept that hospital position because as I was building my clientele with one-on-one personal training clients, I still wanted the reliability of some of those hospital hours because my income with personal training was not consistent and was not predictable for a while. And so then I was able to phase into one career as I phased out of the other. And that was key for me. And what I would highly recommend if you're looking to change careers or you're looking to get into something new and you're not sure how financially how it's going to work out, how can you piece together multiple things at one time? And there's a lot of ways to do that. And there's certainly more ways than I can address on one podcast episode, but just be aware of how can you make something work for you for a certain amount of time. And this was really clear to me when I was trying to get out of the hospital and into a new profession, I was not happy at the hospital, but I was very clear like this is a temporary thing. I need to use this situation. Like this situation is a 
blessing. There's so many things I can do with this to make it work so that I can take a next step professionally. So what are the things that I can do to make this really work for me so that I can get what I need out of the situation rather than feeling like I'm being held captive in the situation in order to pay my rent at the time. And that happened to me again in my the first big gym that I worked in where I really struggled. I did not enjoy the owners. They were regularly extremely rude and inappropriate with members at the gym. And I felt super uncomfortable with that. And like, oh my gosh, it made my skin crawl. Like I went around apologizing to people. Like, I'm so sorry they said that to you. I'm so sorry. They're really inappropriate. And it was just, it was so embarrassing. But I knew that I had to build up clientele before I could afford to leave there. And so I did that. I spent a year and a half there just building up clientele. And I was the most booked female trainer there. And then when I left every single client, I think 29 out of my 30 clients, so every single client except for one came with me. So I was able to to use that situation again, get what I needed out of it so that I could move on to the next step. So I think that's like a super big take home is even if you're in a situation that's not desirable, use it for what it can be worth to you at this time. And then you can move on from there down the road as you need to. But I think that there's often times where we have to just sit in a situation and make the most of it and before we can take our next strategic step. And I think that's especially true when you have a family because you do have to be really strategic when you have a family. You can't just like up and quit your job. There's all sorts of reasons that you need that predictable income. So I think it's really important to be really aware of that. So part one here, I want to start with knowing what you love. So know what you love to the point that you could do it without getting paid for it. So it's really easy for me to say like, and this is part of the reason I went into personal training. I was like, you know what? I can become a personal trainer. And even if I don't, if it doesn't work out for me as a profession, because I really was not sure how I was going to use it as a profession. I knew that I was personally interested in fitness to such a high level that I would still get a lot out of it if I never actually became a trainer. So I was like, you know what? This is a low, relatively low risk investment in school. I can go to school, become a personal trainer. I will learn a ton that I'm super eager to learn. And if it doesn't work out, I still will have this like wealth of knowledge around fitness, which I'm very personally interested in. So I felt like that was a no-lose situation. The other side of that is I almost instead went back to school to get my master's in teaching, which was going to put me $30,000 in debt. And it was going to put me in a job where I was making the same amount of money I was working at my hospital. I was earning at my hospital job. So I wouldn't actually be getting a raise, although I'd be taking on much more debt. And I was very uncertain as to whether or not I wanted to do that for the rest of my life. I definitely would not be a teacher at the elementary school level, which is what I was going to go into without getting paid for it. That said, I would totally be involved in fitness even if I didn't get paid for it. And now I could say to add to that, I would be a podcaster if I didn't get paid for it. Oh, look, I am a podcaster and I'm not getting paid for it. So there's a lot of things now that I know that I would do and I could do with passion and with joy and with a lot of love without getting paid for them. And so I can really clearly define what those things are. And that's working with women and helping women and helping women grow in every aspect of their life, not just in weight loss. Although I could do the weight loss piece forever if I had to. I've done that for a very long time and I love seeing women transform their lives through weight loss. I think that it's a really powerful journey. So those are some things that I would do without getting paid for them. I would get on a stage every day of the week without getting paid. That's not to say that I don't charge when I get paid or when I'm asked to speak, but I would be a speaker without getting paid for it. And I have spoken without getting paid for it. I would write without getting paid for it. I have done a lot of writing and a lot of blogging without getting paid for it. So there's a lot of things that I would do without getting paid for that I just really enjoy doing based on my passions. What could you talk about every day for the rest of your life? This is a question that was asked to 
me by a mentor and it was so powerful. I was trying to figure out, this was probably six years ago. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in the online space. I wanted to start an online business related to fitness, but I couldn't quite figure out which direction I wanted to go with it. And I was talking to a mentor and I said, you know, I think I want to do something for moms. And at this time I was not a mom yet. And he was like, it was actually two business coaches, two males in their mid thirties at the time. They were like, oh, we don't know. Like you could do the mom thing. You know, you could do it. It's certainly doable. But they were like, you could also do fat loss, which is what you do at your gym and you do it really well. Like, why wouldn't you just do that online? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's a lot more competition. I would love to niche my focus down a little bit more and make it more specific to moms. And like, I just have the passion for moms. I knew at that point I wanted to become a mom. I was like, I just kind of feel like I want it to be about incorporate motherhood. And they were like, well, what could you talk about every day for the rest of your life? And I was like, oh my God, I can't just talk about fat loss every day for the rest of my life. Like, no, I can't. But I could totally talk to moms about self-care and taking care of themselves. And that huge piece of that would potentially be weight loss, fat loss, all those kinds of things. So they were like, okay, you answered your own question. If you can talk about that every day for the rest of your life, then that's the direction you should go with it. And that's kind of my filter now for when I'm going to go in a new direction. When I was thinking of starting this podcast, I was like, what can I talk about? What can I talk about for an hour every week, like producing two episodes each 30 plus minutes? What can I talk about on two different episodes? twice a week, like forever. And it was easy for me to dial it into like, I want it to be about moms. I want it to be about passion. I want it to be about self-care. I want it to be about living a better life. I want it to be about finding your own, your identity as a mom, like all these things super obvious to me. It's not just going to be about fat loss. I can't talk about that every day. It's not just going to be about nutrition. I can't talk about that every day. Those are things I talk about a ton at my gym here in Seattle, but those are not things I want to talk about every day for the rest of my life. And so that can be a piece of it, but it's not going to be all that it is. So being really clear about that helped me a lot in defining what I wanted to do. And the thing about this is, is because when you are following a new passion, you do want to look at how long can you be invested in something? And so if, if you want to start a blog, like it's really important to know what do you want to talk about? You know, I interviewed Portia last week, Portia Smith from Obsessed by Portia. She's really clearly, she knows what she wants to talk about every day for the rest of her life. Like she wants to talk about really amazing lifestyle things for moms. And so some of those things are super, you know, cool experiences and experiential things that she writes about. Some of those things are fitness related, but she knows what she wants to talk about every day for the rest of her life. I've interviewed personal trainers like Shauna Kaminsky, who was on also recently, she wants to talk about women in fitness in their fifties or thereabouts every day for the rest of her life. Like that is her sweet spot. That's her passion. And she knows that super clearly. So I think that you have to look at other people that are built success in their careers and especially in secondary careers, which for both Portia and Shauna, those were secondary careers. They both have very, been really clear about what do we want to talk about every single day. So really defining that and being as specific as you can is super, super important. Next, you have to know where you thrive. Where do you thrive? Where do you glow? Where does your light shine bright? And so for me, I know where those areas are and I've had to like sit down and make lists of them. I know where I don't thrive too. Don't worry, we're going to talk about that. But know the skills that you have and know the areas that you do really well in, because that's going to be really important as you choose a path. So if you're really great with writing, you maybe aren't going to be so great with video. That's totally fine. What if you're great on video? You love being on video. You love like just spontaneous talking. You don't want to be, have something that's scripted like blogging, which blogging is like 
writing and editing and writing and editing. Maybe that doesn't appeal to you, but like getting on video, no big deal. There's a ton of people that you say get on video and they're like, oh my God, I'm immediately, they're going to pee their pants so nervous and so uncomfortable. So you have to know where are your skill sets? Maybe you're super crafty and that's part of what you want to offer. Or maybe you have something to offer that is greatly going to improve someone's life that's not tangible. So maybe it's like life coaching, business coaching, those kinds of things, all that kind of stuff. It's super important to dial in and be able to define. And maybe some of those aren't skills that you have now, but they might be skills that you're working on developing or wanting to develop down the road. I know that a good friend of mine took photography classes when her little girl was a bit, I've actually known a few moms to do this when they had young children take photography classes, because the side effect is that you end up with learning how to take amazing pictures of your children. But also it's great for her, for my friend, she was like, I might want to do some part-time photography work. And she had at different times in her early in motherhood been in between job opportunities. And so she had this time and she was like, maybe I want to do some photography. So she looked into that and she went to see if she did have a good skill set. She did. And so learning those things can be super helpful. So it might be skill sets that you want to learn because you know you would love to thrive there, or it might be things that you just innately are good at or have always been somewhat talented in. Some people are great at writing. Some people are great on video. Some people can rock a spreadsheet. So, and some people like a spreadsheet, you just want to curl up in a ball and die, right? Some people are good at teaching others and guiding others in groups where some people are really good one-on-one. Like I have done a lot of one-on-one work, but I find that groups are definitely my strength compared to one-on-one. And it took me, you know, I did one-on-one training for like eight years before I realized that like groups are where I shine. And as soon as I realized that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so limited in one-on-one. Like I'm kind of not that awesome. I thought I was really good at one-on-one until I started doing group stuff. Then I was like, oh, I'm like amazing with a group. Who knew? Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you you listen to your podcasts.
So sometimes it takes learning or trying different things to learn and see how that all works out. Some people are really good at creating written things or creating visual things, whereas other people maybe are better at auditory things. And so, you know, the difference between someone who's good at podcasting versus video versus blogging, totally different skill sets. Very few people are really good at all three. And if they are good at all three, it's because they take a lot of time practicing all three, where they're doing like two podcasts a week, three blog posts a week, a few videos a week. And then you get good at all those things by practicing and you get more comfortable with them by practicing. Some people are good at one of those things and the other two, they can't even imagine doing there. It makes them so uncomfortable. Some people are really good at organizing information. That can be really helpful when you're creating a new process or creating a new path for yourself professionally. Other people are horrible at organizing information. So it's important if you know if you're one of those people who's good or not good at organizing information. Some people are really great at making amazing, beautiful things and putting them up on Etsy and sharing them with the world and selling them that way. I'm obsessed with Sophia Amoroso, who wrote Girl Boss and she's the creator of Nasty Gal, which was an online eBay store. And she has this amazing story of when she was like 22, just starting to sell things on eBay. And now she is this multi-million dollar brand and just this total powerhouse of a woman. And she has a fantastic book. I'll make sure I link to in the show notes. So following her story, she actually gives a lot of tips for like learning what you're passionate about and what to do with that and really practical tips. So I would highly recommend that book if you want to learn from her and see how she's done that by following her passion and being really clear with what she's good at. She was good at photography. She was good at fashion and styling. So she went with that. When she first started, her job was checking IDs like on a college campus or something. Like she was like, this is so not my dream. I could care less if I get fired, you know, at any time. So she was really clear on what she was good at and what direction she wanted to go. She didn't know if she could ever make money at it, but she was like, this is what I'm passionate about. Let's just try it out and see what happens. And now she's like this mogul. She's just amazing. So next from there, you can also ask other people their impressions of you. You can ask other people what they see in you in the workplace. You can look at your past work evaluations. This is something that I've always, because I um, can't help but be neurotic about this stuff. When you have a work evaluation, what kind of feedback do you get? And I can think back, I have only had work evaluations. Well, I've had work evaluations in a couple environments, but I definitely remember having them at my hospital job. And I don't really remember what I was told I was good at. I got high marks on everything, but I do remember what I was told I was not good at. And those are the things that have stuck with me my whole life. Like those are always the things I'm trying to improve. So knowing what you're good at from that sense as well, what kind of feedback do you get on evaluations? That can be really helpful in kind of guiding you. Okay. So next, a really great exercise you can do to help kind of define where your passion and talents lie and what direction you might head with them is to take a piece of paper and put a line down the middle. And by the way, I'm totally stealing this exercise from one of my mentors, John Lee Dumas. So he is a podcaster. His podcast is EO Fire. It stands for Entrepreneur on Fire. If you're wanting to start your own business, I highly recommend this podcast. So he has you do this exercise if you want to start a new business or you want to start a podcast or anything. You take a piece of paper and you put a line down the middle. And on one side of the paper, you write everything that you're really passionate about. And on the other side of the paper, you write everything you're good at kind of what your talents are. And you keep this piece of paper and every day for like five to seven days, you get up in the morning and you just put as many things as you can on this paper. So the first day you're going to get up and you're going to be like, oh, I'm good at writing and I'm good at making candles and I'm good at like, I don't know, singing, (laughs) random. So we're going to put things that you're 
really good at. On the other side, you're going to put things that you're really passionate about. I'm passionate about motherhood. I'm passionate about women's rights. I'm passionate about like making beautiful things. So what you're going to do over the course of seven days is you're going to be able to add things because it's going to be on your mind from day to day. So you'll be able to add things to the list every day. When you get to the end of five to seven days, you look at your list and you look at like, where are the intersections? Where do you see that you can connect dots between the things that you're good at and the things you really love. Some of the things you're gonna be like, well, I really love singing, but like, I don't know if I'm really that great at it. Or maybe I'm really good at singing, but I'm not sure that's really my passion. Like, I'm not sure I really want to pursue a singing career, even though I'm really good at it. So there's going to be things on there where you're gonna be like, well, this thing kind of drops off because I'm, I'm either passionate about it, but not good at it, or I'm good at it, but not passionate about it. So that would be like, you know, if I get burned out in the fitness industry, just because I'm good at it doesn't mean I'm passionate about it anymore. So it's important to acknowledge both sides of that. So then you want to know, after you know what you are passionate about and where you thrive, you also want to know what stifles you. So for me, it really stifles me to have to work for a manager who doesn't treat his employees amazingly. And so this has been very clear to me in every job I've worked. Like if I am not in a job where management treats the lower down people like rock stars, I don't want to be there. I can't be there. And that's because I think that everyone is contributing to the best of their ability and everyone should be acknowledged for that. And so I try to be really careful with my trainers at my gym to be constantly like, thank you so much. You do great work. You do my work for me because that's the truth. My gym can't run without my trainers being amazing and without them carrying out my mission. So I try to acknowledge that whenever I can. I have been in so many work environments where there's no acknowledgement of the little people doing their little things. And the little people are super, super important. So for me, I can't work for people who can't acknowledge everyone working beneath them in a significant way. I can't work with people whose goals aren't aligned with mine. So working for that for-profit hospital, it was like the goals were not aligned. I was actually, the most of the time I was there, I was looking into working at a nonprofit hospital because I could see how their mission was so different and so much more aligned with what I believe in for patient care and hospital employee care and those kinds of things. I also know that what stifles me Monday through Friday, nine to five, I am not a punch the clock kind of a person. So I don't want to ever work a Monday through Friday, nine to five kind of a job. I also know that doing the same thing every day is very stifling to me. I did that to the extreme. So when I worked my hospital job and I was working with children in the psychiatric unit, that was very different from day to day because the population was constantly changing. Our patients came in and they were only there for 14 to 21 days. So the dynamics were constantly changing and no two days were alike. I did spend nine months though working in our school. The hospital had a school program where kids from surrounding school districts would come in for the day. And these were kids with severe behavior disorders and mental health issues. And they would come in for the day and every day was the same. I had a class of like five kids. It was super tiny classes, obviously. So I'm teaching this class of five kids, really sweet kids. I really liked them, but oh my God, every day was the same day. And every day I was literally like trying to not fall asleep standing up because everything was so predictable <laughs> and I needed that. That's absolutely what these kids needed. They needed super predictable schedules. They needed like everything in their world at school to be very predictable because they didn't have a lot of that at home. So that's what they needed, but that was not my place to like be passionate or be super successful. So that was really clear to me as well. So you have to know what stifles you and what really holds you back and brings you down. And I could go, you know, there's certainly a lot of other things, but those are just a few really quick things that come to mind when I think about what doesn't work for me. What do I know I cannot do? 
So the next thing you want to look at is knowing who do you want to be? Where do you see yourself in one year, five years, 10 years? And sometimes it's easier to start with 10 years and really look far out and be like, oh, in a really long time, this is where I see myself. Because sometimes if we look out like a year and we make it the leap seem too big, that becomes scary. So if we say like, well, in 10, five to 10 years, I don't want to be at this job anymore. I don't want to be in this profession. And then you can backtrack and make it like, okay, so then what do you need to do this year to make that happen in five to 10 years? Sometimes it is really good to start with a smaller timeline and be like, okay, a year from now, like I want to be halfway through a master's program for something or a year from now, I want to know that like I've taken a few steps in a direction toward a new career or in a direction toward starting something different since having kids or whatever the case may be. Maybe in a year from now, I don't want to be working. I want to be staying at home with my children and not working at all. What can you do starting now to line yourself up? That could also be a five-year goal for you. And then maybe that means like in five years, I don't want to be working or in three years, I don't want to be working. So how do I need to be saving today so that our family can afford for that to happen? What do I need to do in the next year or the next every month so that in three years or five years or whatever, I don't have to work or I can go to part-time. So you can look at that from either direction, whether you're trying to get into the workforce or out of the workforce or move within the workforce or move from inside the workforce into your own career and your own business and entrepreneur endeavor. How do you envision your perfect day? You have to know who you want to be and how you want to live every day. And so envisioning your perfect day means how do you imagine starting your day? What are the first things that you do when you wake up in the morning, when you are living this dream life, living this new career, living this new passion? What does that look like? Super important to know. I know that like mine involves, I want to get up and work out. I want to get in some time for personal development reading every day. I want to get in time for meditation, hopefully, which I'm sporadically good at. I know I need time for recording. When am I best at that? It's usually in the afternoon. I know I want time for creating content for my members and for my clients. And so when am I best at that? I'm doing that in the morning. So knowing what my perfect day looks like and how that plays out, that's super important to me. And so I have kind of a vision. I'm not super rigid about that. I actually wish I was a little more rigid about it and a little more structured with my time because I think I would be more productive. But I do have a vision for like, how is my perfect day? And what does that look like? And that keeps me really focused and it doesn't let other things get in the way. It doesn't let me get derailed. And so that's really important when we get into part two of this conversation in the next episode, that's going to be really important for envisioning your perfect day because you're going to have to start looking at, there's going to be some things that you're probably going to have to let go of and some things you're going to have to push to the wayside. So if you can envision what that perfect day looks like, you can also imagine what it does not include. And that can be really important. My perfect day does not include laundry. I'm sure no one's perfect day includes laundry, but like I've told you guys before, I rarely do laundry on a work day. I do it on Thursdays when Vinny's home from school or I do it over the weekend. So just because I work from home doesn't mean I'm doing home chores because that totally gets in the way of my focus on my work. Also, you have to know who you want to be when it comes to serving others. No matter what kind of work you're doing, if you're working in a bank, if you're working in a corporate office, if you're working in mortgages, if you're working in a hospital, if you're a teacher, if you're working in any industry at all, if you're working for yourself, you're serving other people. And so how do you see yourself serving other people? Is it online? Is it in an office? Is it creating physical products? Is it working alone? Is it working with a team? All those kinds of things are super important to know and super important to just begin to define. That might be really different, you know, in a year versus five years. When I first started working for myself, it was just me. Now I have seven people who work for me on a part-time basis doing different kinds of things. And that was when I first started out, I 
certainly did not envision that. So that's going to evolve over time, but know what you would like that to look at, look like in the short term. Also knowing what you want the flexibility versus the rigidity of your schedule to look like, what you, where you want to be from like an independent standpoint, how independent do you want to be? Do you want to be so independent that you don't, you know, I don't have an office with anyone. People who work for me do not come sit with me every day. My day is totally mine. And then when I need my people who work for me to do things, I reach out to them at the times that I need them, or we have scheduled meetings where we come together and I can give them direction, but I I don't share an office. I don't have people who like descend into my space. My space is my space. And then I branch out from there. Other people, other entrepreneurs very much have like a place where they convene and they meet with people on a daily basis, whether it's physically or meeting virtually on a daily basis and connecting that way. So just kind of thinking about what you would want that to look like and how tied to it you would want, would want it to be. Some people like to build a business where like they do have a team meeting every morning at eight o'clock, whether it's virtually or in person. I don't want that. I want something that has a lot of independence and a lot of flexibility because I want to be able to switch from gym owner to podcaster to mom, like in a heartbeat anytime I need to. So I don't want to be tied to a really rigid schedule. That's like, okay, you are doing sync fitness things with your sync fitness staff Monday through Friday from you know, eight to noon. And then from two to four, you're doing podcast stuff. Like it's, I don't do it like that because I want to be able to flip roles as I need to, based on the needs of my family, based on the needs of other things going on in my life. So that's really important to me. And then also know who you want to be from a financial standpoint and looking at how you're going to make that work. It's all really nice to say like, oh, I'm going to go start my own business and all that. But the financial piece is super significant. And especially if you have a family, it's very different. Like I said, it's very different than when I did it on my own and before I had a family. So those are my notes for today, my tips for today on how to get started following your passion. So again, you have to know what you love, know where you thrive, know what stifles you and know who you want to be. So with those four things, I would love to hear if any of this resonates with you. Do feel free to reach out to me at any time and send me your story of following your passion. I would love to hear if you changed careers, went back to school, left a career to stay home with your family, and you found any of this information to be helpful. Please do reach out to me at info at shamelessmom.com. I would love to read your story and hear your story. And as always, if this episode was helpful and you think that it would be helpful to someone else, go ahead and share. You can go to shamelessmom.com and find this episode and then you can share the link with anyone else in your life. You can also find us on Facebook at the Shameless Mom Academy and this link will be posted there so you can share this episode from there as well. And then make sure to go over to iTunes. You can go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will take you right into our iTunes home where you can subscribe and listen because we do release episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So you can get our episodes immediately if you are a subscriber and you will get them as soon as they are released. So make sure you subscribe. And while you're over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I would love to hear what you love about the show. So please do leave a review. Let me know what you love. And I can't wait to share more with part two of this episode coming right up. And I think that's all I got. So whatever you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. 
My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.